it's dumb. Again, I keep saying dumb. These are things you shouldn't watch unless you're feeling nostalgic. Just go back and watch it and go, wow. These are things you shouldn't watch. These are things you shouldn't watch. The name of our subtitle of our podcast. (laughs) So I figured we we can start off. We're recording now, by the way. Oh, shit. (laughs) You got to warn a guy. (laughs) Oh, by the way, since we're getting all these uh, uh, new viewers and welcome to our world. um, Can I still cuss? (laughs) <laughs> I noticed you bleeped me a couple of times. That, that's a monetization thing for looking ahead. Towards, I, I got you, you know. Chad. But um, to all you that are worried that I'm being controlled by the man, let me just say, <laughs> Dookie. <laughs> let me also say uh, to all my fans, boogers. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Chad? Doing well? Doing well, doing well, yeah, man. How you doing? It's good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Always a pleasure to come back and talk about absolutely meaningless jibber jabber with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, again, last last episode we were musing about how we were getting a surge on the channel. Yeah. Uh, that was just baby stages now. It's gone through the roof since then. And wow. we've got loads of comments. I posted a few new other other clips from past episodes since then, which are doing very well. I, you know, I, I was knocked out by how well the, the Lost Saucer video was doing, which was the, the video that kind of started this whole thing. <laughs> no. Then I posted a clip from Ghostbusters, the episode 18, I think, where we talked about you mean the, original the original Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters yeah. the original Ghostbusters. And that is the channel leader now. It's like 12,000 views or something what? like that and, and crazy comments. So, I'm Spencer. He's Tracy. I'm Kong. Yeah. And I did one for uh, uh, the Phoenix uh, that's oh, yes. a lot yes. of comments. I did one for uh, Hero at Large and Shazam. Oh, good. This is the stuff we, we've we talked about, obviously, and, and no one prompted us. So it just shows that, I guess, other people our age, and possibly not our age, are just curious or remembering. That nostalgia kick, I get. It's the same for me. If someone, I remember when I would work at the bookstore, uh, and there were people there my age, even older, oh, even older. Uh, and they would bring something up that was something obscure that they remembered from like old TV or old movies. And it would always spark me. I would always go, oh, my God, I thought I was the only one who remembered. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Which, again, proved that I never left the house. But, yeah, so this stuff I'm I'm always game to talk about. What are people saying? They're saying a lot of stuff. So, they, is it all fat jokes? Are they all just like making fat jokes about no, me? No, it's not all fat. Okay, not all <laughs> fat jokes. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, so I'm just going to start with Lost Saucer again because there's been a lot of comments on that one. Uh, I, we're still getting a lot of people correcting us that Sid and Marty Croft are still alive. <laughs> I love the fact that you even put out a, a different little short one going, "Still, they're still alive, they're alive and kicking, and yet people are still like going, yeah, I know that you've already corrected yourselves, but I feel the need to be the twelve hundredth person to tell you they're well, still alive. I understand. Number one, a lot of people aren't necessarily seeing that video, and then yes. they're not going to scroll through all these comments. To no, see. no, no, no. And I so will I say thank you, everyone that's letting us know. And yeah. we certainly, myself, because I'm the one who <laughs> I accuse them of no longer living. I'm glad they're still around, and I, I'm happy for them and their families. And uh, I never wished them ill. I just assumed, which is a mistake. Uh, somebody pointed out the similarity between Lost Saucer and Doctor Who, which I thought was 
kind of interesting. Oh, the ship kind of looks like a TARDIS if you think about it. Well, but. yes. Well, it, it has the same format, which is you know supernatural or alien creatures uh, basically kidnapping Earthlings and then taking them all around. Right. Yeah, it's got a similar thing, though. Um, even the earliest Doctor Who, like the very beginning, is still so much more intelligent, though also black and white and kind of boring. But the stuff that Sid and Marty Crawford do, I mean, this stuff is, I, I, mean, I loved it as a five or six year old, but man, no, it doesn't compare. But I see the parallels. I yeah. Do. Well, he says, uh, calls himself Shamrock Particle. He's okay. got a, he looks like he's got a picture of Charles Nelson Riley as his, his, his avatar. Just cool. He says, I remember both as a kid, Lost Saucer, the Croft version of Doctor Who, was an, an, <laughs> was inane fun. And uh, I twirled outside like the younger kidnapped kid had. But finding old finding old episodes recently and trying to rewatch, unlike for old Doctor Who, Lost Saucer is utterly painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. The thing is, I mean, here's the thing. We'll talk about these things with great affection. and And I do have great affection. I do keep it in context. You watch it now, you watch it as an adult or a 50-year-old, and that's Lost Saucer or any of these Sid and Marty Croft shows, which we've gone down a bit of a, a rabbit hole. I look forward to talking about Electro Woman and Dino Girl later. <laughs> but the thing is, you watch them as an adult, and wow, wow. But it is also proof of what a kid brain responds to, and a kid brain responds to goofy fun colorful stupid but still fantastical and we were definitely kids of an age kids of of every generation every older generation says kids today are so much smarter than we were my dad and my you know my parents (laughs) said that about us and i'm sure their parents said that about them so what pleased us as five and six-year-olds would not be pleasing to today's five or six-year-olds i think yeah oh yeah uh, several people pointed out this show that Bob Denver, uh, I didn't know about either of these shows before the commenters mentioned it. Uh, Stephen Brown mentions, uh, I don't remember Space Nuts, but Bob Denver had another show after Gilligan's Island with the same formula called Dusty's Trail, which, which was a Western. Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. And then I think based off that, I think I found like just sort of the opening of it or something online and, and, or at least I saw photos. I'm like, no, that rings no bells. Mm-hmm. Dusty's trail. Yeah. That could have only been like a season, right? That couldn't have been a long show. I don't think it ran very long no. but, and I think the main thing with us is that it must not have been in syndication. Right. Uh, I, I doubt we, that it lasted uh, long enough because isn't even back then, I think the, you had to have a certain amount of hours or episodes to even be, syndicated as a package so if it had like under 100 episodes i think most things don't get syndicated so, yeah 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 poor us that we didn't get to see dusty's trail but good on you for remembering it's a, yeah i watched a little bit of an episode on on uh on youtube and it's i'm sure bob much, denver was great Come it's on. just like gilligan's island in the west so they they're they're lost out on the trail and, and he, he would occasionally say skip and he'd stop himself from saying skipper <laughs> skip no sorry sorry wrong show wrong show <laughs> oh yeah then there was another show that that uh bob denver was on which actually did run i think for a few seasons called the good guys again had nope. no knowledge of that and must not have been a syndication i think the thing was that gilligan's island was just so popular yeah that 
the networks must have opted for that. And, or maybe the people, I don't know who, who would have licensed syndication for good guys, but I never heard of it before. What I believe is, is just that, uh, Bob Denver continued to be pretty much typecast as a lot of these people were like Larry Storch and Forrest Tucker that uh, we talked about. And probably, there was always a search for what can we plug him into that will make people feel like, oh, this is familiar, but it's not just a rehash. And so I'm sure he was just scrambling, looking for work and going, you want me to do the Gilligan thing again? Sure, I got it. You want me to be Maynard G. Krebs again? Sure, you got it. I'm here for you. And it's always just a search for the next one that'll hit. Gilligan's Island was successful. You know the big story about the reason it got canceled, right? Gilligan's Island? No. Yeah. The head of the network, his wife loved Gunsmoke, and uh, apparently Gilligan's Island was uh, interfering with Gunsmoke where it aired. So basically to keep his wife happy, he canceled it. Literally, there was no reason other than his wife's complaint because the numbers were good. Yeah, it was still a successful show. I do think it's not a show that should have gone on and on and on, but it was one of the famous ones where... Why would you cancel something which is at its highest ratings? And it had only to do with keeping his wife happy. That's a pretty famous story. <laughs> That's funny. I never heard of that before. I mean, it, Gilligan's a- Island. I was it, the whole the whole concept of Gilligan's Island was funny to me because it was like it was all you, you had to keep them on the island. Like every every attempt yes. to get yes. rescued or escape <laughs> yes. had to fail. Even the movie, the, the one of the movies they did, uh, and the reunion movies ended with them getting stranded on the island again. The very first one. Uh, I mean, that was kind of an event. I remember like I remember TV guide and everybody just going, "Finally, they're back." And they've been re- so rescue from Gilligan's Island, I believe was the name of it. And uh they come back, their lives have changed and da da da, and then they end up getting back together cuz they miss each other and they're like, "Let's take one more like uh <laughs> so they they get back out on a boat similar to the minnow. And they literally end up back on the island at the end as a wah, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. And, and very remember, similar in my mind to Greatest American Hero can never have the instruction booklet. Even he gets it right. back in one episode and then he loses it again. It's yes. Just, it just never ends. So I, I All right. So it was, uh, yes, it was CBS. CBS president, William S. Paley, and his wife, Babe, were longtime fans of Gunsmoke. CBS rescheduled the Western to an earlier time slot on Mondays. Uh, as a result, Gilligan's Island was quietly canceled at practically the last minute while the cast members were all on vacation. Some of the cast had bought houses near the set based on Schwartz. Sherwood Schwartz was the creator. Verbal confirmation that the series would be renewed for a fourth season. And it was. It was just because Babe Paley was upset about the moving of of Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke had already been on the mm. air for like 20 years. It's just so mm. amazing. That she's like, I don't like what they're doing to Gunsmoke. Well, that's it for um, Gilligan's Island. God, that that I'm, is uh, wow. Yeah, that's a travesty. <laughs> it is. I'm starting a hunger strike. Uh, <laughs> I will stop eating until they finally put Gilligan's Island back on the air. Uh, is anyone still alive? I think a couple of them are. I don't think so. I think is, even Marianne, sadly, my favorite. Uh, I think even she passed. Really, Ginger's yeah. not alive. I don't know. I think Tina Louie. Okay. Before we get more emails. Okay. Well, well yeah. <laughs> I'm worried. Tina Louie is a- <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yes, you're right. Tina Louise is still alive. I'm Good. pleased to report. We still have Ginger. Yes. 
Okay, so let's move on. Uh, the comments on the original Ghostbusters video are are epic. A lot, a lot of people praising Larry Storch and and Forrest Tucker and Bob. Well, they should. Yeah, it's it's funny how how people were just so just thrilled. A lot, a lot of people with Ghostbusters, they're like you are. It's just just thrilled to be reminded of the show, right? And uh, then there are people like me who never remembered it. It was one of those things where, I mean, th- this sound, makes me sound like the world's worst party attendee, but the whole thing of, of being able to pop up and just go, you guys know there was a Ghostbusters before. And also there were the Bob Hope Ghost Breakers. Ghost Breakers, right. Somebody mentioned right. that. But uh, the Ghostbusters, I always liked bringing that out. Like, you know, there was a previous Ghostbusters and see if anyone remembered the show that we're talking about. I also love bringing up, um, because there are a lot of people, rightfully so, who love the movie Monster Squad. And I, I love that one from the 80s. It's great. And mm-hmm. I used to love going, you know, there was a Saturday morning TV show called Monster Squad with Fred Grandy uh, of Love Boat. Love and, and I love bringing that one up because I loved it. And people go, no, there wasn't. I'm like, absolutely. Wax Museum. Classic monsters coming to life and fighting crime and just blowing people's minds yeah again i haven't been invited to a party in about 18 years <laughs> <laughs> oh so when i it was around the time i posted this clip i think i was i did a little research on the the history of this and what the interactions they had with the the ghostbusters film you know the ivan reitman film that, yeah that we both love so much it's, it's kind of stunning the similarity between these two properties um, they're not exactly the same, but there are definitely some similarities. It's not just the name. The story is apparently that when Ivan Reitman and Dan Aykroyd and stuff were developing the script for this, they were they couldn't settle on a name. They're going back and forth between a lot of different ideas. Ghostbusters was one of them, and they thought, well, maybe. And then at some point during production, they discovered somebody discovered you know there was a kids show ten years ago, right? That they're like, and they're like, oh crap! And it's totally believable to me that they didn't know about it because they weren't, they wouldn't have been young enough to have been watching right. the show at the time anyway. And it probably was not in syndication anywhere at the time. It was probably sort of a forgotten show. It's filmation was busy doing other stuff by that point, and they uh, were uh, doing He Man and Brave Star, right? So at some point they were tr- still trying to figure out. Well, we may, we really got to figure out a different name, and they couldn't settle on something. And then they got to the scene where there's all these people chanting Ghostbusters on the street. And that's when they said, look, they called their legal department. You've got to strike a deal with, with Lou Scheimer now because we got to get this settled. So they did settle for five, I think it was 500 grand that they paid Lou for the rights to use the name. And then Lou in this article I read was saying that he, he was pissed off at himself that he didn't think about animation rights in that moment. And so those were still up for grabs. And so neither of them could stop each other from using the name in a cartoon. So Lou was just sort of desperately trying to work out a deal with them with Columbia Pictures saying, let me let us do the cartoon for the for the movie. You know, we're, we're perfect for it, you know. And they said, "Nah, we're good. <laughs> they went off and just started working on their own cartoon. So they, like, they made their own Crap. cartoon as a sequel to their old show. Right. So they went back and did a, re- a soft reboot. Yes. An, an animation of, of the original show where you have the children of of. Uh, uh, of Spencer Kong and, Kong. and yeah. Spencer, yeah, and, and Tracy and, reappears, yeah, and sort of I, like Chewbacca as an age. I I liked it okay, but I will say the cartoon for the film Ghostbusters, which was not filmation, because yes, the license went elsewhere. That one, which had to call itself the real Ghostbusters, <laughs> right? Whereas the filmation was the original ghostbusters but the real ghostbusters is really good i remember that oh, as being really? really good 
cartoon riff on the movie and it's it's gained sort of this cult thing and it's had a nice dvd re-release and so forth yeah it they on a kid level they they really do capture the feel of the movie there's there's a good sort of like i'm bill murray but i'm not voice and that kind of stuff yeah i had the action figures again (laughs) that's me Yeah, and they uh, there were a lot of people in the comments who remembered the cartoon. You yeah, know, people are a little bit younger than us, I think. Remembering uh, the original Ghostbusters cartoon, the right, and but not the live action. So I had no idea there was a live action wow, show. Wow, that's weird. This, and that's that's hilarious. That so there's all different layers of of uh, amazement in the comments about this this, <laughs> this this video. We're glad to help. That's what we're here for. Yeah, exactly. So some of the most fun comments, I think came in on the the video i posted for the phoenix which was a clip from a very early episode of ours i really didn't know how well this was going to do and i was kind of stunned at how many people remember the show which only had five episodes that's 40 what, years ago that's the thing that's the thing is how how deeply this stuff goes that i but i will say because we are the people we are and we love genre stuff I have such a clear memory of almost anything connected to sci-fi, superheroes, the occult, paranormal stuff, even if it only lasted like two or three episodes, because that stuff was exciting for me. We need to do an entire episode on the TV movie Exoman. Did you ever see that, Chad? I'm sorry, what? Exoman? <laughs> I know. You, no, no, I haven't. It's awful, but it was Was a TV movie ripoff of Iron Man where they were trying to launch because it's post six million dollar man. And the studios are like, we need something else that's like that. Let's get that. And they're like, but what if we do a superhero show? Uh, We don't want to pay Marvel for the licenses to anything. And so someone came up with Exo Man, which is basically brilliant inventor. He gets targeted by the mob. And they try to kill him. They don't kill him, but he ends up being a paraplegic. So he builds a a powered exosuit, which looks like a huge fire plug. (laughs) I mean, it looks terrible. Wow. And I even read in the, I found it on Wikipedia, and they said that the reason the costume looks so simplistic and dumb is that they're like, even at the time, they could have done better effects and better costume design, but they, they were thinking about toys. And they said making it simpler would make the toys easier to make. There were never going to be any toys. Let me tell you this much. But then he gets in the exosuit and he goes out and he fights the mob and he he defeats them. And it's clearly a TV movie that was trying to be a pilot for a TV show. But yeah, I remembered it. In fact, that was a I was so excited about that TV movie coming on. And was a 77 or something that I tape recorded it. We did not have VCR. Oh, just a cassette, yeah. Yes, I had used a cassette recorder, put it up. I remember to the doing TV, that too. It's, and I thing. tape recorded a TV movie <laughs> so I could play it back and listen to it. <laughs> I, you know, my main memory with recording TV shows on cassette tapes was uh, the the Smothers Brothers. Uh, oh wow, good choice. There was, there was one particular episode of the Smothers Brothers I recorded, and there was one moment that made me laugh playing it back that I ruined the tape. I was like, I played it back and rewinded it so many times the tape eventually just unspooled from the thing. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that was a better uh, use of tape. 
Yeah. <laughs> we did tape some Saturday Night Lives, and so that's early SNL. Mm. Um, and it was also mainly because our dad would not let us stay up to watch it. So yeah. I think my brother would surreptitiously put the tape recorder. <laughs> <laughs> like, Hide it somewhere off to the side so we could listen back to like naughty grown up humor. Oh, that's awesome. Man. Anyway. So yeah, in the comments for the Phoenix, what are they saying about Judson Scott? There were two casting, uh, like fan casting ideas people had for him. Oh, which really? I were great. I remember what they are. I just want to, I'm going to get their names. I should have, I'm going to do oh, this better next time. You're really letting everybody down. <laughs> and by everybody, I mean our country and oh, really? the world. <laughs> Um, Chad, take one break just for half a second. Look at the camera and apologize to America (laughs) and the world. (laughs) You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. You don't even care. I love it. Okay. The the house of Nasdradamus (laughs) says Judson would have made a good Adam Warlock. Holy hell. Can I just say, I didn't read that comment. Holy hell, you're absolutely right. In fact, I would not be surprised if uh, Jim Starlin, you know, looked at early pictures of, especially with the 70s feathered hair, which Adam Warlock had in the beginning. He would have been a perfect Adam Warlock. Damn. Good That's call. what I thought. That's what I thought. Good Because I'm not anywhere near as familiar with the character as you are. But That's I, all right. From what you've told me, I think he would have been fantastic. Oh, he would just paint him gold. Paint him gold. It's It's all you need. And this was okay, I got to find this comment too because this 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 uh, was great. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> this comment was There's great. So many comments. This uh, uh, the one that I'm looking for was great. <laughs> Hello, computer. Hello. It's time for my fruit cup. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Uh, Umpty Scope says, I always thought Judson Scott would have made a perfect Valentine Michael Smith if they'd made a stranger in a strange land movie in wow. the 1980s. I, I read that novel when I was a teenager and it's been, it's been a while since I've thought about it. I love the novel. Me too. And the novel had a huge, you know, they came out in the early sixties, had a huge impact on popular culture that novel. But strangely enough, it's never been developed into a movie or a TV series. I will say like a lot of classic sci-fi Especially though, so far the Dune adaptation, um, you know, and those sci-fi TV movies, and it, they're all interesting. But anyway, some of the 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 more classic ones are are so heady, and then the fact that Stranger of a Strange Land, a lot of it's interior. But so, in other words, adapting them would be tricky. It's not Stranger in Strange Land is not a sci-fi action romp. No. So, but it is a great piece of material and it's also so there's so much of it so you'd have to cut away things that people would go that was my favorite thing and the any version you do people would say that's a simplified stupid version yeah but i do agree if you wanted someone that looks the thing about judson scott's looks as we said before and why he was great as phoenix is that he certainly does look like a traditionally handsome just guy human but at the same time there is an odd cast to his features where he does look otherworldly and so yes as he would have been great he would have been great actually so another good fan casting you guys are all why didn't you call judson scott back in the late 70s and tell him about these things (laughs) my my thought of this like because i still think it would be great like yeah the it's too much to fit into one movie but i think you could do it as a you know maybe a 
10 episode miniseries or something like that. It would definitely be a miniseries. And what's yeah. nice is that the renaissance of television that we we've been going through, which, you know, I don't take for granted. People are able to let's let's stretch these things out to give them their appropriate time. Mm-hmm. And they're doing it with I'm watching Silo right now, which is based on a, you know, a, a trilogy of books, very popular. And it's good sci-fi that is not knocking you off your ass every week with action sequences or high tech stuff. It's just it's what you like, which is intellectual science fiction. And I like that, too. So you could definitely do Stranger in Strange Land now that way. And what's more, at this point, Judson Scott, you could use a uh, you could just CG him in. <laughs> right. He could, he could play a different character. He could still be in it. But yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a little too old to be playing uh, that character now. But but what if wow. they do it? This is oh, my idea. Whatever gatekeeper, whatever you <laughs> ageist piece of crap, ageist. <laughs> You guys were here um, the time I came down on Chad for being an ageist piece of crap. Yeah, I had it coming. You did. Um, you did. What I think would be kind of cool is if they do, since this is, to me, this is such a 60s novel, Strange, Strange, Strange. Yes. Lines. You want Robert to do Highland, it as a By the way, in case piece? you're not, viewers aren't familiar with the novel, you should t- totally read it. Oh, my but God. It came out, came yeah, out in 1961 and had, almost like Shakespeare, it had a big impact on, on English language at the time. People still say grok, you yeah. know? And you may not even know where it comes from. Grok was something for the novel where uh, the Martian culture that he came from, when a, when one of their own people died, part of the part of the uh, funeral ceremony was they would actually eat the body of the deceased, and it was a way of kind of really not just honoring the dead, but but sort of absorbing them, their essence yes. and everything. And it, so it was like you not only are you consuming them, you're like understanding their being. So Grok, Grok became was for understanding. Yeah, a deep, a deep, a deep understanding. understanding yeah, of I grok yeah. that. And the thing is, that Stranger in a Strange Land, just like Anthony Burgess's, you know, Clockwork Orange, it, it also like Tolkien. I, I love sci-fi writers, and sometimes they go way too far. But I like uh, forward thinkers who are like going, it's not just about societal changes, technological changes, things like that. Language itself will change, and, and yeah. that's true of our. I mean, every. I don't understand slang terms now. I'm an old man that I'm like, I have no idea, uh, you know, what they just said. I don't know what the kids are talking about. But these are novels where they have glossaries in the back yeah. of of the language that they're, you know, that he's created, which aids in you going, oh, that does set you in like, I am trying to follow i've been dropped into another world i do love books like that where i'm like going i'm forced to use a little bit of the old brain because it's not just there i've also been watching the orville i I just started it i i hated the orville when it first started because it is such a vanity project for seth MacFarlane. (laughs) it is where he's like going like look at me i'm playing captain kirk dress up and then people kept telling me that it got to be quite good. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it a chance. And yeah, I just started season two and I have been enjoying it, but here's the thing that drives me crazy. The thing that you like about Seth MacFarlane's projects, like American dad and, and family guy and things like that is he's got a real pop culture sensibility and it's a lot of non sequitur drop-ins. The Orville, as much as I'm enjoying it, it's you sit there going like it's set when in the future and they're still making jokes that we're laughing at now. And you're like, they're not doing a good job of saying that society 
moved forward. Has moved on, right. So you're like going, oh, okay, so good. I'm glad we're making references to the Jeffersons. What the (laughs) hell? Why would they know about that in 23, whatever? That said, I enjoy it because it is kind of like entertaining Star Trek cosplay um, and fan fiction. But but yes, I prefer the headier stuff where they're actually making a whole new world. Sorry, that was a long way to go. <laughs> but my thought was, I, I, if they do a, a Stranger in a Strange Land series, I think they should set it in the '60s. I think that would uh, not just because oh, yeah. the, the novel came from the '60s, but I think having it in a retro retroactive setting might actually make it a little bit more easy to give it a more otherworldly feel, but also familiar. Well, that's Looking that's I think it, I, I think that making something a period piece or period suggestive, yet you're not being historically accurate, is another way of uh, instead of like trying to create a f- fantastic future world. If you do something retro sci-fi, like again, we we both enjoyed um, Welcome to Tomorrow. Was that the name? Hello Tomorrow. Hello Tomorrow. I always put Welcome instead. I did enjoy Hello Tomorrow because it did that retro sci-fi thing. Yeah. And that is what you're talking about. It's like, yeah. this is science fiction. And yet it's familiar to us. We're just looking at all the things that are slightly altered. Right. And that, and so setting it in, the, in a stylized 60s would be perfect. I think one of the things that's making me think about that, too, is is Watchmen. Because yeah. uh, the original story of of um, uh, Billy Crudup's character, who is... Uh, uh, Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. His his original origin story takes place back then and so yep. all the all the news footage of him you know his people first learning about him is from that era yeah and i and michael or is it valentine michael smith but he he's kind of like a dr manhattan type of character where he's has this almost like uh, uh it's like a christ figure and he develops yeah. these superhuman abilities well it's i mean that is that is the big metaphor of the book is that yeah someone special comes to us and of course we tear them down or and you look at things like uh, the man who fell to earth, similar thing where it's like, Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so very influenced by stranger and strange. Very land, much so yeah. where they become corrupted by the very world they're trying to help. And then you're like, Oh, right. So it's as if, um, you know, Jesus had accepted the temptations that Satan had laid before him and goes, Oh yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to live like a King and whatever. I mean, that's always a good twist. You always, uh, sci-fi is, good sci-fi is almost always allegorical. You can go, oh, I know exactly what they're doing, but it's done in a very clever and, you know, unique way. And yeah, I think the Phoenix should be placed in a, right there on the shelf next to Stranger to Strange. <laughs> it's right up there with it, yeah. Actually, Phoenix, if it had gone on and had not tried to be all things for all people, like uh, a superhero show for kids, uh, or a heady sci-fi thing for adults. But if it had kept going smartly, you could have done a great sort of corruption of the angelic, you know, messenger figure plot line. Phoenix as an idea, mm-hmm. you could do. You could totally yeah. reboot the Phoenix. I think right? that's one of the reasons why we remember it. It's cheesy, but you could definitely reboot it it's, and it's, make it smart. It is a stunning, stunning story with a show that, Literally only had five episodes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there were more episodes made. We only saw five. Oh, really? So they never came out. Huh? Yeah, they they That's just right. came from the show. That. You can get a. I don't have it, but you can get a bootleg of the with the unaired episodes. I don't mean to brag, but I've seen them. <laughs> are they any? Are they any better than? 
they're all of a piece. It literally is like they said, this is going to be our new $6 million man where he, or incredible Hulk, where he wanders city to city, touches mm-hmm. people's lives and moves on. And you're like, and still the overarching quest. So I'm looking for my, my lady half, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> where's my lady half? Where's my, where'd I leave it? But yeah, so no, it's not great. It's just, there were other episodes. I did watch the, the pilot or at least part of it. Yeah. Uh, when I was doing this and I was laughing at the, the intro at just how monotone. You mean Orson Welles narrating? Was, was it really Orson Welles narrating? Mm-hmm. Okay. Somebody mentioned that I couldn't find uh, credits for that anywhere. Oh uh, it totally- yeah, it's him. But yeah. at that time in his career, for fifty dollars and a, an Arby's coupon, he would uh, <laughs> he would do a commercial or a voiceover or whatever. <laughs> okay, um, and I'm not disrespecting Orson Welles is like a god to me, and it's a shame what his later career was. He should never have yeah. had to beg people for right. money. Um, yeah. I'm just saying that. Yeah, at that time he's like, you want me to do what? Do a narration for an Alan Parsons project album? Okay. You want me to do what? Sell some frozen peas? All right. Yeah. God bless him. But what the thing that cracked me up about the pilot episode is uh, how blase the acting is. Because yeah. you've got the actors discover this guy who's perfectly preserved, who's been in a tomb of unearthly materials for thousands of years. And they're just kind of like, hey, uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> they're just standing around you know, drinking coffee like, oh, yeah, it's pretty nice. All right. Yeah, they, they don't even seem to react to what's going on. It's just funny to me. Um, anyway, so uh, this guy, somebody calls himself Zaround, uh, had this fun idea. Says my, he says my nerd wet dream fantasy is for Starman, the Phoenix, and Matthew Star from the Powers of Matthew Star to all be in the same fictional universe together. Yeah, and then they'd each, then they would all kind of point at each other like the animated Spider Man going, <laughs> "You, where?" You're absolutely right. I mean, they're kind of exactly similar. Phoenix, uh, had, you know, being an ancient astronaut, being buried on Earth for centuries is different. Starman comes to Earth and inhabits the corpse of a human man. And the powers of Matthew Starr, he's the kid. Uh, he's very much like Star-Lord. Basically, that's the same kind of story. Alien and a human lady mated. And he's like, what? I'm part alien and I got powers? You do the powers of Matthew Starr. <laughs> uh, I watched that one too. I I, I didn't remember. I did not remember that show. I had to look it up. And then it, you went down a rabbit hole, and suddenly you're watching all the early '80s attempts at genre movie, uh, TV shows. You're like, "Oh, good, Mr. Merlin! Oh my God, uh, Misfits least- of Science! Oh my God!" I did. <laughs> I watched all of them because, again, Mr. Merlin. Yep. Oh, and yeah. Voyagers. Voyagers, yeah. Somebody else mentioned. Was that on this one? I enjoyed Voyagers. Now that's also very Doctor Who. Yeah. Somebody, somebody uh, reminded me of that. Uh, Jonathan Sheeran says, "I was only six. I was only about six when the show aired, but I do remember it almost like a fever dream. <laughs> the medallion he wore always stuck with me. Yeah. Uh, there was something about the talismans in some of those '80s shows that really captured the imagination. The medallion here and the Omni in Voyagers. Yeah. So." I loved Voyagers. I loved that show. I loved it. And and again, so much good concept premise. And they did it entertainingly. And then John Eric Hexum had to accidentally kill himself. They're like, yeah. what the hell, man? 
there's two interesting things about that show that it was to me it seemed very much that it was riffing off of time bandits which had very much so not too long before that but also it was almost like looking ahead to quantum leap because what they were doing was jumping through time and correcting historical events yeah that's right that's right yeah very interesting um so yeah so that brings us to to uh the hero at large ah greg neher 3838 says hero hero lodge was up there with captain nice and mr terrific which is yep. something you had mentioned and i, I want to go i still haven't gone back and watched that but i want to captain wanna nice and mr terrific actually had powers in their shows did they yeah they were comedic superhero tv shows they were parodies like get smart was of spies and so that was their whole point because batman had come out on tv and of course was a huge hit and then they're like, well, cool, let's do other superhero parodies. So you had uh, uh, Mr. Terrific, Captain Nice, and they could actually fly around and fight crime. And, uh, and yeah, Hero Large, he's totally non-powered. The whole thing is that he's not really a superhero. He just gets caught up in people's need to believe in something. And he becomes, you know, like, why can't I be Captain Avenger? And then, of course, everyone goes, because you'll get shot or you'll end up, you know, falling into a burning building and dying. Um, And uh, but it is that feel good. Like I said, very Frank Capra. I I do still love it. It's I mean, can I tell people today, go watch it? I'm not sure they'd have the same experience I did, but I still think that John Ritter is always worth watching. And especially at that point in his career, he is so, you can tell it's like, why aren't they giving that guy more romantic comedic leads? Because he's got the charm for days. And Archer of course is lovely and, and early on in her career. And so I like it. And also probably one of the best uh, film appearances of Burt Convy. <laughs> Cut to us doing an entire short video on the green. Here it comes. It's like, okay, Cannibal Run and this. Yeah. And what else? Okay, he didn't do that much. I, I was rewatching it, and just uh, one of the things that struck me was how well they kind of crafted his character, uh, just being set up to, to do what hap- you know what does happen with his character. That yeah. he's, he's very much, number one, he's very much into the, the character of, of Captain Avenger more so than his his fellow actors were all well, the whole the whole the idea job. is that he is weirdly like a steve rogers in other words yes and they keep making fun of the fact that he comes from a little town he's an actor but he's from mm-hmm. a little town in like i don't know idaho or something and so he's this altruistic good guy yes so he's yeah. like don't you to get it yeah, he's like, don't you get it? When we're wearing the costume to the kids, we are that character. So isn't it cool that they're looking up to us and, and all the other actors like, dude, I'm getting $50 today and that's going to, you know, pay for groceries. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And yeah. so it is good. He's the guy who believes. Yeah. And that's the, I, I love, love the scene in the diner where he, he meets with his agent and his agent gets pissed off at him when he realizes that he'd given away one of the leads. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> did he had to one of his students? Yeah, he's like, "What? What are you killing me here? Come on!" He's like, well, it was the right thing to do. It I mean, was the right it, thing it to changes do. Changes his life, and he's it, it'll come back to me someday. I mean, come on. Oh, it didn't even, no, it didn't even so occur good. to him, but that that that's like uh, it was just great. Anyway, yeah. Plisken two one five six says taxi driver plus Tootsie equals hero at large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> except for I like it. yeah, taxi driver is only violent. there in yeah. small small yeah. amounts. So here we come to. Conjure Uh-oh. Man. 
Oh, 77 says, was it better than... Give me a second. Hold on. I need to prepare. (laughs) Oh, 77 says, was it better than Condor Man? This moment, I didn't... What the hell is that? I had to look it up. Oh, you didn't? No, I had no idea what it was. So I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes and saw that had a much lower critics rating <laughs> than here I at large. I would have needed to look that up. I, I would say unequivocally, unequivocally, I always put a B in there for some reason, unequivocally, I always say, and that's wrong. Unequivocally, um, yes, it is much better. Condor Man has also a good premise, but it's, it's live action Disney nonsense um, that really, it's pretty boring. Um, and I'm not laying that on, Michael Crawford, is a star of Condor Man. That is Broadway's original Phantom of the Opera. And, you know, the idea of cartoonist must become his own cartoon creation. And he's a superhero slash super spy who really doesn't know. He's in over his head. Condor Man has its things. I like the design of the suit, his wings, his wingsuit, his cool car. But no, here at large has just got a heart. It's got a heart, man. And it's got some yeah. pretty clever satirical writing. So yeah, I'm sorry to all the Condor Man fans. No offense. You love what you love. And there is no shame in it. But I'm saying, and eh, no. I wouldn't reboot Condor Man if they no, if they paid me, I would. Sorry, I almost said if they paid me. I said, nope. I am not above it. So call me if you want to reboot Condor Man. <laughs> yeah reboot condor man can it not be crap cool (laughs) all right how much am i getting all right well that'll pay for groceries okay bye click (laughs) you still haven't apologized by the way to america and the world (laughs) oh i apologize to america and the world for Whatever it was, I didn't do. I've already forgotten what I was following. Uh, it was about you not having written these down and you searching. So, oh much. yeah, sorry. I'm glad I that failed you, America. You failed America. In the same thread, uh, someone named Sergeant Dave says, "Nope, not as good as Condor Man or what? Super Fuzz." Super Fuzz. <laughs> do you remember Super Fuzz? Yeah. Wait. Let me make sure too. I've got it right. I'm going to look it up. But if I remember correctly, is that the movie with Terrence? Uh, Terrence, God damn it! What's his name? And Ernest Borgnine, and it's about an android cop. I'm gonna look that up real quick. <laughs> You're right. I hate if I am right. So let me real quick. <laughs> Super fuzz. Yep, Terrence Hill and Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> but he's not an android. Um, red oh, okay. powder from a nuclear explosion gives a police officer superpowers as long as he doesn't see anything red. Stupid. What? He is eventually framed for murder and is unsuccessfully executed by many different methods. Yeah, it's Terrence Hill was like a Italian staple of like action comedy stuff. And so this is really an Italian movie that has Ernest Borgnine in it. It's a PG 1980 movie. And I'm sorry to our uh, listener who is a big fan. I have this bare memory of it. It's not good. So, okay, moving on to the the most recent video I posted, which is a clip of uh, us talking about filmation Shazam and a little bit about ISIS, the mighty ISIS. Love um, it. Uh, Farpoint Gaming Direct says, I have Shazam on DVD, the real Captain Marvel. Yeah. Not another Stan Lee ripoff. 
That is a sore point of contention for me, so I totally relate. Um, DC should never have... Well, okay. All right, sorry. Getting a little historical. Let's hear it. DC aren't the good guys in this, technically, simply because DC ran Fawcett Comics out of business. Captain Marvel, our original guy who says Shazam from the 40s, was not DC. He was Fawcett. Uh, And he actually started to outsell Superman. At, at his height. And so DC was, they sued. That was one of the first lawsuits DC ever did saying they ripped off Superman. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Other than having a muscular guy with super strength and flight. No, totally different. Billy Batson saying a magic word, turning into Captain Marvel. That is not Superman. So they were stupid, but the court case went so long and eventually DC did win, even though I don't know how, um, that they bankrupted Fawcett. And then the the real stinker is years later, uh, as in the late 60s, early 70s, DC bought all of the Fawcett characters, which allowed them to bring them into the DC universe, which is how Captain Marvel showed up in DC and then is like, yay. But then what happened is they published the comic Shazam. In the meantime... Over at, well, there was also a Captain Marvel in the 60s that had nothing to do with DC or Marvel. A guy who, on okay, all right. This will end up being its own mini video. Sorry, Chad. So the Captain Marvel from the 60s, who I think was Dell Comics or Gold Key, no, I don't know. One of the lesser ones, he, he would say some magic word, which wasn't Shazam, and his body parts would fly off. <laughs> why (laughs) because he could control them so like he could send his arm to do something and a hand to do something and his leg to do something and then he he would pull them all back in that was his power didn't james gunn put that in his uh, suicide squad the different character but same idea the first the first yeah the first mission that that where everybody dies yeah exactly yeah Yeah, exact exact same power set so that is a ridiculous character it has nothing to do with this story but marvel are sitting there in the 60s going oh shit Fawcett's been out of business for so long. No one owns the rights to the name Captain Marvel. So they come up with this alien superhero named Captain Marvel, and they just call him Captain Marvel. There's no Billy Batson, though they do the clever thing of Rick Jones gets the Negabands, and he swaps places with Captain Marvel, very much like Billy Batson changing places with Captain Marvel in the old. So it's like Rick Jones goes, boom. And then there's alien Captain Marvel there. That was great. That meant that Marvel in the seventies had the rights to a comic name, Captain Marvel. Whereas you have poor DC going, but we just bought him. Come on. (laughs) So that's why the comic ended up being called Shazam. And the TV show oh, was called okay. Shazam because they couldn't yeah. call it Captain Marvel because right. of Marvel getting in there going, ha, ha, screw you, DC. Good now, impression now, of Marvel in the 70s, by the way. Ha, ha, screw you, DC. So, <laughs> that'll be a little bumper. At the, yeah. <laughs> so, our station identification. So, and that leads to today when still, you know, uh, Carol Danvers was Ms. Marvel and then she became, well, Warbird and Nebula. She had, uh, I mean, binary, sorry, not Nebula. Uh, and then she got the Captain Marvel title. So Marvel has always had a comic called Captain Marvel because they don't want the rights to revert. So then they do a movie called Captain Marvel. And that's why during the new 52 and all that stuff at DC, they're like, 
we can't even call the character Captain Marvel anymore because it's confusing to people. Not because of legal reasons. So then they decided the character would also be called Shazam, which makes no sense. Makes sense. Yeah. It's like people, he'd be, he wouldn't be he able can't to say his own name. He can't say his own name. <laughs> so they're slowly, and there's a new Shazam comic out now. I'm putting you at ease. And they are calling him the captain. They referred to Captain Marvel. They're slowly pulling back on that nonsense and going, people in the world can somehow wrap their mind around there being two Captain Marvels. Yeah. So stupid. Anyway, so as a kid, I loved Captain Marvel Isis Hour. I've gotten back yeah, to what too. we were talking about. Yeah, even though they're terrible. You watch them now and they're awful. It's hilarious. Yeah. I watched, I watched a, a couple episodes of Isis. And it's funny to me that the way that you would think in a situation is like, okay, this is obviously where she's, you know, some crisis develops. She shows up, you think what she's going to do, and it's never the obvious thing. <laughs> like there's a guy hanging off a cliff on a rope that's about to break. And instead of just flying up and catching him, she flies past him up onto the cliff and, and says an, incanta- an incantation that, that restores the rope. And then she pulls him up. Um, it'll always be budgetary. Yeah. <laughs> any any weird decision because she has like the powers of the elements you're like that's amazing stuff but they can't do anything with it like yeah they, so they're like um why doesn't she just lift the jeep and then it's like no instead somehow i'll use a wind to make the jeep just go in reverse and you're like right. what right yeah that, i it's saw that one too they can literally just make the jeep go in reverse that's why <laughs> the thing that makes the show looking back at it now is that joanna cameron is just so magnetic and just dude oh, there i mean we're, we're we're talking um early crushes and she is way up there along oof. with electra woman and diana girl and Both as isis Aaron and as jo- yeah 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 no no joanna cameron is so beautiful but also i'll say one thing that makes these shows even at their lamest is that I will the the performers are always serious, like they're taking it seriously. Yeah, and I feel for them because a lot of the dialogue they're given and a lot of the situations are so stupid. And you know when the camera was off and they're like, "Cut!" They're sitting going, "Jesus, I can't believe I just had to say that." You're like, <laughs> well, I think that if you follow the example of the god Ra, you'll see that friendship is important, Billy. <laughs> whatever the fuck and then it's like cut and she's like oh boy that is a lot that is a lot just to pay for rent but undeniably and you people i mean just go watch a little clip and you'll just sit there going goobity goobity mm-hmm. uh she didn't have a big film career either uh she had been a model i guess or something but she is very stunning and yeah. i loved just the combo of shazam and isis because it seemed like they were of a piece and ISIS was totally created just for the TV show. Right. Then retroactively DC, uh, Jeff Johns, I think not until the nineties, but he decided that ISIS should be a character in the DC universe. It's not the same story because he's going, ISIS is a mythological character and I can just wink that it's the same character from the TV show. So she's not a teacher by day and ISIS by ISIS by night, ISIS by which night. was the adult title they put out in the nineties. <laughs> ISIS by night. No, but yeah. So uh, I love that 
Captain Marvel in DC Comics has met and fought alongside of, and ISIS actually married Black Adam in DC Comics. That's, that's so right. the whole thing yeah. that they put Captain Marvel and ISIS together in DC Comics for the old folks are like going, yay, they're together again. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I think I think that's when the prunes kick in. Mm. <laughs> All right. So ladies and gentlemen. Ladies. With apologies to our country and our nation. Uh, that is the <laughs> that is the end of the comment section for this week. Uh, I apologize. I, I wish we could get to all of them. They're, this is going to become increasingly more difficult, I think, week to week, because so many of you have so many great things to say. I will get better at compiling this. I will say <laughs> blanketly, thank you all. Thank you all for even responding, even if it's just like, oh, I remember yeah. that show. It does make us feel less alone in the world. <laughs> Uh, and I will also thank you, Chad, again, for being the guy who you are respondy. And I should do more respondy, but you actually are always chiming in um, and you guys deserve it. So even if it's just Chad sending out his uh, automatic responses, thank you for <laughs> watching, fan. <laughs> Love Chad. Uh, no, Chad's actually responding to a lot of you guys and it is helpful. Just like you just saw, you guys will spark us off onto something else entirely which is great. It's just that'll give us content ideas because your memories, like ours, are are weird the way they're popping up stuff that, you know, like people haven't thought about in so long. So yeah. keep reminding us. And if I've yeah. seen it, I'll, I'll admit it. If I haven't, I'll lie. No, I'm joking. If I haven't, uh, it's a good excuse to go try to find stuff on Google. That's right. <laughs> Uh, and there are, there are more comments I would love us to get to. They're just, we we're running out of time here. Yeah. So somebody did mention, and again, apologies to the poster as I don't have your name and apologies to our nation again, but <laughs> somebody did mention Electric Woman and Dino Girl. And that is a show that you, since the very first episode of this podcast, you've been throwing that name out there. <laughs> so today we finally get to talk about that show. Electro Woman and Dino Girl. And again, this is a show I did not remember. Really? Yeah. Did you, did you, um, do you remember the Croft Super Show at all? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just don't remember much about it. What, what's surprising to me, again, when I looked that stuff up, and I know that they reran everything back in the day, but in my mind, it's like these things lasted my entire childhood. Then I realized that it only went two seasons, the Croft Super Show. And the Croft Super Show was an anthology where they had hosts, <laughs> and the uh, first hosts were Captain Cool and the Kongs. This is 1976. They invented a band that's supposed to be kind of gl glam rock slash kiss, only without face makeup. They all have weird personalities. And Michael Limbeck, who is a very noticeable actor of the 70s and 80s, you've seen him in a million things, who then became a very accomplished director, especially of TV, played Cat and Cool. And they're not a real band, but they're in like denim with like sparkles on it. And basically, they're kid friendly. And the whole thing is they're like going, coming up today on the Croft Super Show, we got new episodes of, of, Mr. I mean, Magic Magoo and Wonderbug and Electric Woman and Dino Girl. And they have weird little skits, dumb, like uh, laugh in type little interstitial skits. Um, and then you would see a 12 minute episode of one of the Croft Super Shows. Literally, all of these that we're talking about are only 12 minutes long with 
a follow-up. So they would do uh, your first half in the first section of the show, and the second half you'd see the re- resolution. So two 12-minute episodes of Electro Woman and Diner Girl, and two of Dr. Shrinker, and two of what you know, Wonderbug. And Electro Woman and Wonder Diner Bug, Girl. I remember, yeah. Yeah, Wonderbug, which was Schleppcar, a broken down dune buggy that then had a magic horn, <laughs> had a magic little squeaky horn on the side by the driver's side that when it was honked, it, you'd see this like flashing op, op effect and they go, baka, 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 baka with like lightning bolts, like it was a magical transformation. And then it became wonder bug, which was a really tricked out dune buggy with sparkly paint on it. And it could fly. It could talk. No, maybe it couldn't talk. It talked through its horn. That's right. I was getting it mixed up with a speed buggy, the cartoon, which did talk anyway. So wonder buggy was, it had a secret identity. It was a supercar. It had a Schlepp car, and then it would become, which its license plate said Schlepp, and then it would turn into Wonder <laughs> Jesus Christ. I guess maybe I remember that because I, I was such, like, I think a lot of you kids love doing buggies. I loved the, the whole idea of cars that were alive. I loved because Herbie. I yep. loved Herbie so much. And we had a, a Volkswagen I saw every Herbie Super movie. Beetle when oh, I was a did. kid. An orange Super Beetle, yeah. And I loved that car growing up. Yeah, the only Volkswagens we had were the buses. We had a blue one at one point, and then it exploded because of an engine thing. And then we got an orange one, and it exploded from the same engine thing. And oh, I, really? I, I, to this day, and sadly, I can't ask my dad why. Why'd you go back and buy the same thing a second time if it blew up <laughs> the first time? But anyway, uh, no, I get it. I, I loved a, a talking or animate car, which, of course, is why Night Rider, which came along later, were like, dude, are you kidding me? thing has a Cylon eye on the front and it talks and it sounds like the guy from St. Elsewhere <laughs> who also played Captain Nice. Oh, he did? Yeah. William Daniels played Captain oh, that's Nice. Right. You mentioned that when we, you first brought up that show, you mentioned that you did the voice of Kit. That's right. Yeah. But um, okay. so regardless, yes, I remembered all of them. I, I was never a huge fan of, and I found out by doing the research, because to my mind, they're all, they were all on the same show. But the second season, they got rid of Electro Woman and Diner Girl, and they got rid of Dr. Shrinker. And that's oh. when they brought in Magic Magoo and brought in Bigfoot and Wild Boy, which I fucking loved. <laughs> that's the, yet again, you've been mentioning that. Sorry, since man. Episode one. Because again, it, it, was a, it was a cross of two things I love. Even as a kid, of course, superheroes, they're fighting crime. But I love paranormal weird stuff cryptozoology i've loved bigfoot and ufos and stuff like that since i was a kid as well so are you kidding me bigfoot is fighting crime what <laughs> can i ask you a question about that i watched i watched one episode yes of bigfoot and wild boy and what's it so so wild boy is raised by bigfoot bigfoot yes. speaks like this like ancient caveman language which yeah. sounds like native american language sort of yeah. and but wild boy speaks english I think Even that, though he was raised. I think he was, it was one of those things where he may have already been two or three and was speaking English as a little boy. And then he, like the plane crash or whatever happens and Bigfoot raises him. So he remembers his native English, but he also can speak Bigfoot. <laughs> I just remember Bigfoot always calling out to him like, why are you a boy? 
<laughs> Make sure that becomes your new ringtone for me when I call you. It'll just be, why, oh, boy. oh, it's Brendan. Hold on. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I loved the Croft Super Show, and they were bite-sized little adventures. They are really stupid. And Electra Woman and Dinah Girl... I mean, it's two pretty ladies. And again, I'm young going, I like the pretty, I don't know why. Linda Carter. I like Wonder Woman. I don't know why. <laughs> Wilma I still don't know why. <laughs> I still don't know why. I'm still looking into the causes of these things. Isis, nice lady. Nice. I good. call her nicest because she's a nice lady. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> um, but yes, so all of these were childhood crushes, but Electro Woman and Dinah Girl, to give the breakdown, if I may. You may. Also, it has a theme song that explains it all. Oh, you guys, did you see this when you did your Google search that Cindy Lauper did a cover version of the theme no, song? No, no. <laughs> I think it was on a, like a celebrity tribute to Sid and Marty Croft thing that was on TV in the late 80s or early 90s. So they do like a montage of their themes and Cindy Lauper comes out dressed as one of their villains, the Empress of evil. And she sings the admittedly it's only like 30 seconds, but it is all just about, uh, um, electric woman and Dinah girl fighting every evil deed. Do, 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 do. And it's Cindy Lauper who's doing it. I'm like, God, my mind's blown. That's great. But so it's uh, they're Laurie and Judy, and they are reporters. Um, Laurie is played by Deidre Hall, mm-hmm. who, for anyone who's a soap fan, I don't even need to tell you who she is, but she was on Days of Our Lives, I think, forever. And so she's mainly a soap actress, but she's the tall blonde. She's a lecture woman. She's very... Very attractive. And Dinah Girl is a shorter brunette uh, with pigtails, but they're both reporters for a magazine. I think, I don't know if it ever gets named. There's never an origin episode. They're just already Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. And you're like, okay. And their helper guy, like their Alfred slash Q, is played by Norman Alden. Great character actor who, if you listen to him and you're a kid of the 70s, you go, Aquaman? Because Norman Alden was the voice of Aquaman on Super Friends. Oh, the cool. second you hear his voice, you're like, oh, my God. You, you can just hear him going, Superman, Batman, I need your help down here with this giant clam. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I've been working on my Norman Alden. That wasn't yes. too bad. I'm giving myself a little pot, a pat on the back. But anyway, so Norman Alden plays um, Professor Heflin, I guess is his name. And he has built all their stuff. They are not superheroes. They're just do-gooders who probably can punch and kick, but all their powers come from these things that they wear. The gadgets, yeah. Electrocoms. And they are, I'm sure this meant to look really sci-fi-ish for the 70s, but they look huge, man. It's like putting a TV remote. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I yeah. got you. Yeah. But it would be even bigger than this. And they're like, boop, 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 boop. And they fire off different rays, which are terrible optical effects that do different things. They have no powers. They fly around in an electric car, which is a pretty cool looking. It does look cool. Yeah. yeah, Buggy. But when it flies, they don't have like a bubble. It's like it's fully open. I'm like, dude, they're (laughs) catching so many bugs in their teeth. (laughs) Uh, But then they have an electric base. 
everything is Electra, by the way. Even like it's very Batman and Robin because Diner yeah. Girl will like hit her fist and she'll go, "That's Electra, terrific!" Right, right. And you're like going, "Oh, a seven year old me is like, yes, it is." <laughs> and they fight these dumb villains. You watched the one with Glitter Rock, yes. How'd you like it? I loved. I love. I love the idea of a glam rock supervillain, and he 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 totally looks apart because he's like just rail thin, like David Bowie was yes. at the time, and he's kind of kind of looks like a Ziggy Stardust, but he's got a like an afro. And he's got a huge bright green afro. He's got yeah. big star shaped sunglasses. This is like a kitty version of glam rock of that period, glitter rock of the period. So yeah. they do capture pretty well. He's in like a skin tight LeMay or I don't know, spandexy outfit that has bangles and stuff on it. The guy has never touched a guitar in his life, which I think no, is hilarious no. because he's like, they introduce him and he's playing some song. He's like, yeah, I'm writing this new song. Like, and he is literally doing this. He has no yeah, idea. It's the worst air guitar I've ever, ever seen in the world. And he's got a British accent for some reason, I guess. Yeah. British, like not a very good British accent. No. And also he, but well, this is my favorite thing. He sort of cackles like the wicked witch of the West. Yes. Like, he's like, ha <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm That's good it. to rock. <laughs> yeah. And I love that his Great. each one of the villains of Electro Woman Diner Girl, which makes sense because it's all about parody and equality. <laughs> each one of the villains has a main uh, subordinate. And in this case, I love that uh, Glitter Rock's subordinate is named Sideman. He's just a guy. Yeah, he's, he's just side a dude. He's not as guy. glammy. He's in yeah. a tight outfit and he has one like tassel thing on his arm to like indicate, yeah, I'm with this guy. <laughs> yeah. He just looks like a member of the crew that they pulled on. Yes. So you play this part. Yeah. Yeah. So it's dumb. Like the whole plot is you got Glitter Rock who has his music can make people do things. And he's written his new one, which is called Take Over the World. And it really doesn't come into play because he's going to send up a satellite. I guess he's going to send that song out through the satellite. That's the deal. So he's going to send out an evil satellite. Electro Woman and Diet Girl go up against him. Um, also, he has stolen the key to a fictional country that gives them the... They're able to rule that fictional country, even though you don't see anything to do with that. Because the king of that fictional country is a high school friend of Electro <laughs> Right. That's right. It's <laughs> pretty weird. It's, it's dumb. Again, I keep saying dumb. These are things you shouldn't watch unless you're feeling nostalgic. Just go back and watch it and go, wow. These are things you shouldn't watch. <laughs> These are things you shouldn't watch. The name of our the subtitle of our podcast. <laughs> and every time they're faced with something like, we'll use our electric comms and they beep, boop, boop. I like their outfits. I think the design of them is pretty cool. Um, they don't wear any kind of mask. So again, the world could just go, hey, aren't you that reporter, Laurie? And aren't you that reporter, Judy? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no attempt to disguise themselves and they just go boop boop and then you'll see some bad like chroma key looking effects of a ray mm -hmm. shooting out one ray is supposed to like freeze them in place and they're clearly just like all right pretend like you can't move we'll put in a graphic over you like oh we're trapped in a thing <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's got a kick-ass theme song which i think we should cover okay <laughs> it's only 30 seconds yeah that and we have to, to, we have to, we have to do the lost saucer i know i know yeah. no it's good that's stuff. the greatest 
one of the greatest theme songs of so all time. So watching it didn't bring back memories of them at all. No. That's no. crazy because of all the Croft Super Shows. Electric Woman and Diana Girl is the one that seems to stuck in everyone's head, even though I think Bigfoot and Wild Boy should be right after. But and I do love Dr. Shrinker also has a great theme song. Dr. Shrinker, Dr. Shrinker. He's an evil man with an evil mind or something like that. Uh, it's great. Anyway, so <laughs> Electric Woman and Diana Girl has had two reboot attempts. Really? Honest to God. 2001. I did look this up because I remembered vaguely but it never aired and I couldn't remember the date. So I looked it up. NBC, I think, no, no, the WB wanted to reboot it. And they uh, wanted it to be a true sequel, but they wanted it to be kind of like snarky, like self-aware. So the idea is it's 25 years after the adventures of Electra Woman and Diana Girl. And Electra Woman is played by Marky Post of Night Court. Hmm. A good choice. Very good. Very funny actress and also very attractive lady. But uh, the idea is that she lives in a trailer now. She's lost all her money, and her husband ran off with the original Dinah girl. <laughs> and a girl that she had saved as a youngster has grown up worshiping Electra Woman, finds her, and is like, you've got to come back and help people like you used to, and I'll be your new Dinah girl. So this is the the premise. But it's all full of, like, you know, like adult jokes, like uh, Dinah, I mean, Electra Woman's kind of an alcoholic, sexually promiscuous kind of thing. And it's all like, I don't know, kid. Uh. They only filmed a 15 minute, they call it a pilot, but they filmed a 15 minute, essentially sizzle reel. And you can yeah. find it on YouTube. Okay. And it does look terrible. It's yeah. a shame because I was like, good casting idea, not a terrible concept. But yeah, it looks like they gave it no attention whatsoever. So it wasn't picked up. Cut to, I think, 2016, fairly recently, a web series. I don't know how these two young internet actresses got the rights, but they did a web series update, which was a reboot. Electro Woman, Dying Girl, that was also sort of a parody and also very aware, and but it was set in the modern day, and it's all winky, like I did there. It's all winky. And it did well enough, I guess, that they did a, like, made for... VOD movie. So you can mm. find that. It looks better than that terrible 2001 thing. And I did watch it. I just found it to be too like snarky. Oh, we're just accidentally fighting crime. We're actually trying to promote ourselves as, as like media figures and like, Oh, that's very modern. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think they get rid of the character of Frank Heflin altogether. So where'd they get their electrocoms? I don't know. But anyway, so uh, Electric Woman Die Girl has had a life past the 1970s. That's so fascinating to me. Yeah. All and now stuff. I know what you'll be watching tonight on YouTube. Anything <laughs> but what I just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so now that we've gotten that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, people, we will see you next week. Please leave your comments and your questions. We will do our best to get to as many of them as we can. And, and Chad, uh, again, apologizes. Next time, he's going to write <laughs> down things. He's going to notate. i got to figure out a system for this because it's, it's a lot. Maybe so. you should leave in your searching, but put like yakety sacks or something under it when you do the video. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for talking at us. We're still here. Yeah, we are. And someday, maybe Chad keeps teasing. Prodigious Saps t-shirts. Yes. Oh, soundtrack that's album. 
the Satchway album. That's right. <laughs> Ooh. Hmm. Okay. I know. <laughs> the well, merchandising possibilities. Yeah, I know. I still want to do our cover song. We're, well, we've talked about, but we'll gonna, talk yeah. to you later, everybody. Right. See ya. See?